Okay, welcome back to the Sport Flex podcast, episode one of a new series, which is called The Journey. We're going to be speaking to footballers, uh, athletes, sports stars in the industry, trying to get their background, how they got to where they got to, their goals, and asking a bit of questions, get to know more about them. And for episode one, I'm joined by my cousin, yeah, me. This is a family personal thing. Family, I know family, him, yeah, family. Family. <laughs> My cousin, Motherwell's finest centre back, Uganda national team icon, Bevis Mugabe. Round of applause on my guy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Bevis, no well, worries, man. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for coming anytime, on. Anytime, anytime, anytime. So, Bevis, how you been, like? How's life, got... lockdown, everything? To be fair, like, this lockdown, nothing's really changing because obviously, like, the season's already in flow, you could say. So, mm. like, not, lockdown hasn't really affected us. I just go from my flat to training to supermarket to get food and back to my flat. Like, that's literally all we can do. Yeah. So, for me, it hasn't really affected me because I'll be doing that anyways. Obviously, yeah. for other people, it's got a bigger effect on them. So, for me, it's exactly the same as normal. Yeah, but you see when the first lockdown happened, like the matting lockdown, where yeah. like no one knew what to do, like are we coming training? How <laughs> do we like how was that process? Especially that as a footballer, where yeah. On, that start. was crazy because um we were meant to be playing Aberdeen on Friday night. Mm. And that was the game, that was the first game suspended in the SPFL. So yeah. like there was rumors that this game might be cancelled. Mm-hmm. So like it came to match day, it came to match day. I was just preparing as normal, and we got a message saying, "Oh, like the game's been cancelled." The group chat, we were just like, "What?" Yeah, crazy. And then there's a year like this coronavirus seems to be serious, so like the, mm. the government's cancelled it. And um, first, uh, everybody at the club was just like, "Okay, have the weekend off, we'll assess the situation, and yeah. um, go from there." Then Sunday came, and get a message saying, "I'll oh, be off for the week." As soon as I said, as soon as I saw the message saying off for the week, I had to suitcase, jumped in my car, mm. drove straight back down to London. I was thinking, the if we're off, then boy, this must be a serious thing, serious. Mm. So I literally jumped in my whizzy, drove six, six and a half hours straight to London, and I was there two and a half months. Jeez, so, you couldn't even yeah, fly that. I, usually, I fly, I fly back every time. To be honest with you, but obviously, mm. I knew I was going to be at home for a while. Yeah, true. So, true. Um, I literally just drove back down to six and a half, six and a half hours. And then, yeah, but I was there at home for like two and a half months straight, one suitcase. That's good. That's good. And just like a final question, intro, like during like, so when lockdown's happening, you're at home, are like mother world contacting you? Are you having Zoom meetings, training? Like, how did you keep fit during that whole lockdown when you're not going to the gym? To be fair, mother world dealt with it very, very well. Mm. In um, the aspect of trying to keep us fit, they always sent us like programs to do every day, yeah. and, like like do what couple running sessions, treadmill sessions, um, just like park sessions, just like just a just a, the same program to be fair, like we're like we're doing in training anyways. So um, in that in that aspect of it, it was actually fine. And obviously, I've got weights at home, which I was lucky. That was yeah, before, yeah. But I was just still doing my gym workouts at home. Going for my jogs with my with Rodney, of course. <laughs> yeah, boy. And then, <laughs> yeah, man. It was, it was a bit long, though. I can't lie. Like, having the motivation to get up at, like... I was getting up at, like, 6.30, going for my run and coming back home, doing my um, gym workout, then in the evening doing another session. Mm. It's The motivation is tough. It's not It's not easy to just get all that motivation at to go times. out and, and do the running by yourself, come back to your gym by yourself. But it has to be done, man. It's my job at the end of the day. I have to look after my body, you know? Especially when you don't know when the season's coming back as well. Because exactly. it was like 3rd of April, then they shifted it again and again and again. Yeah. No one, no, every, even when I was speaking to the managers at the time, they were just like, oh, honestly, we don't know what's going on. Like, they're trying to give us information, but the information that they're giving us is pretty much irrelevant. No one knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, well, great it's great to have football back in it. Anyway. Definitely, man. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Great to have you look back watching football, SPFL. <laughs> but anyway, let's take it, let's throw it back, run it back <laughs> to young Bevis. Before you knew yeah. you were going to be a baller, <laughs> oh, like, how did it start? Like, like tell how us about your upbringing. Um, I would just say just playing outside with my friends, brothers, just like it's probably the same as you, man. Just mm. like just outside my front garden, 
just um, playing with Gordon, playing with his friends, because obviously Gordon being my older brother, I have to follow him around everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. look after you. So like once, yeah. <laughs> so literally, I was just following him around everywhere when he went to the park to play football. I'd follow him. Mm. I'd play with, obviously, people that are a lot older than me, so that kind of toughened me up from an early age without even realising that. And, um, yeah, like, they kind of clocked on that. I was actually all right at football. Mm, so, right. <laughs> yeah, it's one of them ones. So, I think I signed for my first team when I was like probably like under 10s, under 11s. Um, just a local team, um, Larkspot Rovers in Norfolk. Then, um, after that, I got spotted by like um, a Fulham scout. Then they signed me from they signed me into a Fulham development center, and I was there for a couple of years. Then, eventually, had a trial at Fulham. Then um, first trial, I never got in. Mm. Then the second trial, a few months later, I got in. Then they let me go at 16, under 16, so they never offered me a scholarship. Yeah. Then um, I was lucky enough to sign for Southampton. And I was there for four, four and a half years, four and a half, five years. Then after that, the Everwood Town for three years, then the Everwood Town to Motherwell. Right. So let's, mm. let's, take, let's take it back to when you were playing for a lot of cool Ravers, you said they were called. Larkspur, Larkspur, Larkspur. Oh, Larkspur, Larkspur. Sorry for the Larkspur players, in it? I don't mean. <laughs> back then, was you always a centre-back or was you like a striker, winger? To be fair, I was flary. I was flary. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a centre-midfielder, just everywhere, to be honest with you, just banging in bare goals from all different uh, types of positions. <laughs> Literally, like, you don't really go to them tournaments when you're young, just winning yeah. the tournament, top goal scorer. Just, yeah, just running right in them type of um, games. Right. Them, so. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, honestly, like, then I signed for, I actually signed for Fulham as a centre midfielder. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then they convert me back into centre-half at, I think, under 15s. I think I started, I started playing a year up at Fulham, mm. and they needed a centre-back, and they just put me there, and I've done more with a year up. Yeah. So, Was it because... You say it was because, like, because we see you're, you're physically, you're a madman, like, your statistics <laughs> is crazy. Like, back then, was you physically always superior to people of your age group? Or was it, like, man or raw? Like, these men are the same as me. Like, we're all big. Did you have that as an advantage? I would say, like, I was always fairly tall mm. or just average height. Maybe just, just above average height. Yeah. But I was skinny, man. I was proper, proper skinny when I was younger, when I was at Fulham. Yeah, skinny man. Like if I could show you a picture, I would. But (laughs) I was proper skinny, Mm. and um, I think at the age of fifteen, when I yeah under fifteen, when I started playing in Europe, I was like, yeah, I need to start putting on some muscle and just try to get a bit longer. (laughs) Yeah, just hit the gym hard. Literally just in the gym every day with my teammates and just bulking up a little bit. I just I enjoy going gym, so it just kind of stuck with me throughout my career. Okay, so so throughout that whole process of like getting to an academy, like how how did you feel when you got in? Was it like rah, like I'm here now? I know, like you know, like it's not the end goal, but was it like a big weight off your shoulder, like rah, like part one, I've really got into an academy. Yeah, because um, when I first signed for IFA, the Fellow Development Center, yeah, you know, like our parents, African parents in general, they're like. Study, study, study. Ah, oh, bro. Today, blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And um, lucky enough, my coach was from Ghana and he had a obviously good connection with my mum to um, to actually allow me to sign for his team. Yeah. And uh, she, just, she just said, Bevis, you just have to be committed to this. And if you don't, then you're going to have to stop playing football and just, just focus on your studies. And I was like, so, from since that day, I was like, okay, I have to be in this 120%. Mm. I can't just be letting down mumsy like that at all. But like she's Reals. giving me the opportunity to just do what I love to do every day. Mm. So um, yeah, from from that one um, conversation I had with her, it's just stuck in my head, and I've literally haven't looked back since. Well, that's quality. Like big up mumsies, you know, You're like mumsy all oh. the time. Like even my mum as well, like working Always. hard. Always. Yeah. So when you was like um, at Fulham, what age was this, by the way? This is between under-13s to under-16s. Yeah, because when I was in school, like, a couple of my friends played for, like, Chelsea, 
and they were like mm. they'd have to go to a special school like Arca you because mm. you have to train on these days you're in school like did you go to a special yeah. school or was you doing like part time at your school and then part time at Fulham Development Centre? Um, I did. I eventually, a few of us got selected to go to like the kind of Fulham school that was connected. Um, it was called Kim Boys that was connected to um, Fulham as well. So actually, right next to each other. Yeah. So we go there for our education and train in the afternoons with like the scholars, and then we were in year ten and eleven. So. Um, yeah, done that for two years. That was difficult, man. That was hard. <laughs> just like, because I was still living in obviously Northwest, just waking yeah. up early, getting free trains. Boy. So, luckily, I was with one of my guys who literally lived down the road from me. So I was lucky in that sense. But waking up at 6.30, getting on the train, 7.30. You miss that one train is peak, you're late for school. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was a lot for somebody my age at that time. Yeah, that's young, Mm, just catching them trains and leaving in the dark, coming back in the dark. Oh, bro, them ones. You're thinking, man, is football even it? Is it that deep, man? <laughs> football, like. Yeah, bro, it just became like my lifestyle or our lifestyle with the people that I was doing it with. Yeah. So, yeah, man, looking back, it was crazy, but it was worth it, for sure. Yeah, that's good. So you're at Fulham now, the age of 13 to 14? Then 13 when is it? To- 16. So what happened towards your end of the time at Fulham? Um, they just said, it came to, obviously, after when you're under 16, you either get offered a scholarship or you don't. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, I went into my meeting. I remember, like, it was yesterday. Mum was next to me. Mm. And they were just like, yeah, like, we're not going to be offering members a scholarship. Right, bro. Oh, no, okay. I feel like, it feels like, you you know when, when you're in court? And then they read yeah. out the sentence for your son. Literally, literally, it's that type of feeling. Twenty years in jail. Like, like oh. crazy. Then <laughs> I left them. I left the meeting. Just going back to the car now. And like my mum was just trying, was giving me tissues. I was like, "Why are you giving me tissues?" Like, "Oh, we're gonna start crying." I was like, "No, like it's not that deep." I kind of felt it was coming in a way with the players that they were signing from like abroad. Yeah, of course. And of course, um, at that age as well, so. I kind of thought it was coming, but I was like, okay, it is what it is. Mm. We need to keep it moving, man. Nobody's going to be waiting for no one. It's true. At the end of the day, so just literally on to the next one. Yeah, like it takes a mentality as well to like recover from that. So after you've got released from Fulham, like, what's, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, oh, football, I'm 16 now, GCSEs, trying to go it to is. college, picking yeah. A levels and that? Like, what's your yeah. mindset at this time after you've left Fulham? My mindset was just like literally just looking for a new team to be honest with you. Like lucky enough, um teams were already calling me like the next week. Then I went to like the exit trials where like loads of people, players like things like go go there, play a game and loads of scouts go and yeah. um watch them games. And literally my phone was just blowing up. Blowing up. I had I had options to be fair, but these were like league one, league two teams. Mm. And then at that age, you don't really look at them like they're like, you're thinking, who's this fam? Who these men? Looking at these, these Plymouths and like Exeter, like who, who are these teams? <laughs> um, lucky enough, I got a phone call from Southampton, which came out of the blue saying, Oh, like, we've seen Bevis wanting to come in for um, a trial and just see how it goes. And that's how this journey at Southampton started. Right. So you're at Southampton now. Do you um are you with certain players at Southampton that you recognise today? Like yeah, those man. Um, when I was at Southampton, like the age group that I signed into was kind of like the golden generation. That's what they called it. Mm. With the likes of um, Luke Shaw, James Wood Prowse, yeah. Callum Chambers, um, Harrison Reed, um, Jordan Turbull, Jordan um, Sam McQueen. Those are players that are still playing at a decent level. Yeah. So um, I was lucky enough to be in that age group and for them to actually push us to the best of our ability. Mm. So how was it playing with these type of players like Luke Shaw, Callum Chambers? Like, Were these men like a level above? Could you see like, right, this guy's definitely going to get a move. Like I've seen Luke Shaw go to Man United, Chambers go to Arsenal. Yeah. Could you recognise from when they were playing like these guys are just a different piece of cake? Yeah, you can tell definitely with the quality that they showed in training. And the intensity mm-hmm. that they trained at, you can. Well, I quickly understood that. Okay, yeah, this is a serious age group that I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
especially just the way the club was talking about them. Because I'm just a normal guy from London that's coming down to Southampton, like, what's yeah. going on? You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can definitely tell, especially that age. There's loads of good players in that age, to be honest with you. And you can just tell, especially Luke Shaw, you can tell that he was going to be uh, like accelerated into the first team. Mm. Uh, probably the first out of that bunch that got their chance in the first team. Yeah, because Luke Shaw, like, he was a burner. Like, you said you were quick back in the day. Or he, was Luke Shaw like a mad burner? You're thinking, like. <laughs> Yeah, he can move, to be honest. He could move, definitely move, bro. And like, just the way that he plays, he's just so relaxed in any, mm. every situation. If he went to train with the face, like, yeah, like, they called yeah. me up to train with the first team. Like, um, yeah. I'm starting in the Prem next week. Like, like it was normal. Bro. At that age, just like, it's crazy if you think yeah. back at it. Like, Mm. Crazy at that age as well, and like going into them games and actually dominating your opponent. Yeah, that's mad. So that's... you're playing for Southampton now. Are you playing in the under twenty threes? Was it under twenty threes still at that time? Was it under twenty ones or development squad? It was. I think it was the last season of the under twenty one year mm. that they called it under twenty ones. So okay. yeah, that was it. Uh, obviously done my scholar, then signed my pro. And signed my other a new deal after that. Then after that, I went to Yeovil. So you're at Southampton. You're playing in the. Could you see an opportunity for you to break into the squad? Because everybody with associated Southampton with bringing through young players. Was there ever a time where you thought, okay, coach, I'm ready now? Like maybe they had a cup game or like a game where yeah. you thought this is the my time to shine. Let me be on the bench at least. Was mm. there ever a time you thought like? Well, like there was a time where. As a bouncer, but I was literally always trained for the first team. And um, we played in the under-21s cup final. And I had a very, very good game. Mm. And um, I was meant to go on pre-season tour with the first team. But I got injured. Yeah, so, the injury. Yeah, I got injured. So little, little moments like that. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. which hurt in a way, because obviously that would have been an opportunity to showcase myself. But... At the same time, like, you can't really look back at the past and just have to look forward, mm-hmm. man. You know? Even me as well. I was meant to go to trial for Chelsea, but my knee injury, you know, the one there. And I was like, yeah. Them ones, them ones, mm. them ones. So even now, so you've, you've got injured now, and it's like, you're, you're in the form of your life, you'd say, at the time, when you're mm. just about got injured. Like, how is the, because you've got a big injury as well. It's not like a little two-week thing. Like, this is like a mm. prolonged injury period. How are you feeling? Like, how do you mentally recover from an injury like because you come back and you're thinking oh can I uh, will I be the same will I still be quick yeah. like, how was it mentally uh, it was it was tough it was tough when I had like my first meeting with this with a surgeon and he said mm. I was going to be out for that amount of time I was like that's a long time to be out mm. but at the same time I was like just have to accept it because there's only so much growing you can do yeah like and you get nothing from it, so what's the point? So mm. I was like, yeah, just get the surgery done and then just start my, pre- my rehab as soon as possible yeah. to get me back to full fitness. And then I've done that. And funny enough, after my actual, when I finished everything, I was probably, I was quicker than I was before, so much stronger than before. And um, yeah, it just allowed me to work on loads of different parts of my body that I didn't really know how to like, activate or you know, strengthen up properly. So throughout that year, like, I was a totally different person and player. Yeah. Did you feel like it It showed you a different side of you? Like, do you feel like you matured for like, the whole injury process? Because I guess it was, maybe you could equate it to the similar setback when you got released from Fulham, but what did you feel like this was a bigger setback? I wouldn't think it was a bigger setback, to be honest with you. Because I knew that I was in good hands and the rehab, the like, physios, we're going to look after me and make sure everything was done properly. So I had that at the back of my mind. And I knew at the end of the day, it's down to me how hard I want to push myself whilst doing the rehab. Mm. So um, luckily, at around, Jay Rodriguez had like a similar knee injury yeah. around the same time. So I was literally doing it with him oh. and doing our running together. You look so, boys? Um, well, we we'll say we're boys, boys, but like, He's cool, like so. I was lucky enough to like do it with him and just kind of pick his brain on certain things that I've seen that like, the first team are doing and like his movements within the game mm. and just getting to know him as a person. 
Because at the end of the day, all these Prem players, they're just normal people at the end of the day. Yeah, I think so that yeah. was more surprising to me as well. And um, yeah, man, at the end of it, I was in good shape and I was ready to push on. Mm. So you come back from injury now. What happens after that? It's just like getting my match sharpness back, playing games in the under-21s and um, just trying to work hard to get like a first-team opportunity. Yeah. But um, I was at the age of like 20, 20, what else? I was 20, 21 and I was like, oh, I'm at an age where I kind of need to be playing first-team games if I'm yeah. looking to have a career in the game. Mm-hmm. So I um, spoke to my coaches at Yeovil, at Southampton, and they said, yeah, they got a good connection with Yeovil. Mm. And um, yeah, you can go. This is at, like at the end of the season. So the under 21 season is finished. Okay. So they said, you can go down to like Yeovil Town and train with them mm. for like two weeks or three weeks, or however long. So I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So hopefully I can go down there and show what I can do in training and hopefully go out on loan the next year. Yeah. So um, went down there, trained well for like two weeks. I spoke to my agent and I just asked him, so what's the situation? It's like, oh, I've got some good, I don't know how you're going to take it, but it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you will want you, which is good, but um, they want to sign you on a permanent, permanent deal. They don't want to sign you on a loan deal. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. So I still got a year left on my contract at Southampton. So I was like, mm-hmm. so what's the situation now? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's totally up to you. Can I ever stay at Southampton? I had a good contract or go to Yeovil. Obviously, less money, but the opportunity is there to play first in football. Yeah, every week. Yeah, exactly. So I um, went back home, spoke to my mum, spoke to my brothers. But the situation I'd like to be for, like, the money is come, money will come and go at the end of the day. Mm, of course. So uh, I decided to sign for the Oval for, I think it only signed me a year, a year deal. Then, like, within the next couple of months, I got extended to, like, another two-year deal. Yeah, they re up that so, quick. <laughs> they, had, they had to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. It was a, a decision that it was the right one, clearly. Mm, I just stayed there and just literally fizzled out of the game or just took that leap of faith and just went for it. Oh, pick up so, you're at Yeovil now. Finally, you've got your opportunity. First team football, professionally, League Two. Like, how, how, how did it feel making your first team debut you walk you're in the tunnel fans are there shouting screaming mm. come on like, how did it feel like, it was mad made it. yeah it was mad because luck yeah it was kind of a good game to have like your debut it was Luton Town away so yeah. Luton have got like a big fan base as well and like the way they say themselves like the fans are like really mad close, close like, in it yeah you can feel like the atmosphere so um, I remember walking out, I was like, right, this is a proper game. Like, there's a lot of Luton fans here, like a small portion of Yeovil Town fans. I was like, hey, this is mad. Mm. But um, yeah, done well, played the game. I think we drew, I think we must have drew 2-2 or 1-1. I think we might equalise later on. And um, yeah, man, it was like a good introduction to like professional football. Yeah. I remember going back in a change room, everybody was like celebrating like it was a good result away from home. Mm. And like the manager's like, oh, I've got this well done, all the players like done a round of applause for me, obviously being my debut, oh, which kind of, which meant a lot for me, yeah, to me. Of course. So um, yeah, that was the start of the journey at Yeovil. So you're at Yeovil now, doing your thing. You've made it like, you've actually made it like, it's like, wow. <laughs> I don't feel like I've made it at all. Like, I mean, of course, you're, you're in your ambition, but it's like, yeah, it's like a, a, another step in it, a step up, up the ladder. Yeah, it's, a step, it's a step, for sure. So, Yuval now, and so to tell us about like living in the area, your relationship with the fans, the players, like, how is it? This is a new environment for you. Yeah. Yuval, like, like Somerset, I don't know, I ain't heard of that. Place. That's Somerset, yeah, Somerset. Somerset. Yeah, mm. like, I'm not, I don't know where Yuval is, none of us there. Yuval's in the sticks, it's in the sticks, mm. bro. Like coming from obviously London City, Southampton's a big, fairly big city. Yeah. And going to like Yeovil, which is like a small town, like everyone knows everyone. Mm. Like you go to the test, local Tesco's, it's like, hi, Mugabe, you're at Mugabe. Yeah, like, everyone knows you. Yeah, it's like everyone knows everyone. Mm. So, um, 
and it's, it's just a quiet place. So I guess it's kind of a good place to like go and just literally just focus on your football because you yeah. literally got no distraction. Of course. So, um, but the realization of just going there and just like you have to do everything for yourself. Like you have to do your own gym sessions. You have to do your own breakfast. Your own like I can give us lunch, but I'm, I have to do my own dinner. Mm. It's just a lot of growth within myself as a person and a footballer. Mm. to go down to yoga for sure which I'm grateful for and I needed at that time because some players who have been in like academies and big academies they'll struggle to make that kind of drop down yeah. into like League 2, League 1 where you have to like fend for yourself Yeah. so I've done that and I'm grateful for the opportunity that they gave me for sure because I grew a lot throughout, throughout that period Cool, how was it scoring your because according to my research you scored your first goal for Yeovil against Portsmouth, is this right? Yeah, yeah how was Portsmouth. it feeling that like, scoring like, that's that's the pinnacle like scoring a goal? Like, yeah. it was it was good, it was a nice feeling, definitely a nice feeling just getting that first first goal, and then um, especially being uh, against Portsmouth because obviously Portsmouth is Southampton's like number one rivals. Got a little beef with them, <laughs> yeah. So, like, when I obviously said so I'm grateful for like. I'm happy to be happy to get my first um, first goal for Europe, especially against Portsmouth. Literally, the tweet blew up and got like thousands of retweets and likes. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I never knew it was that deep. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was a good time, and it was definitely one of my um, favorite moments at Europe for sure. Yeah, big up. And do you still like? Do you still love the town? Do you still speak to people who, like from Yeovil today, even though you've now left? You've gone. Um, a few people from I speak to a few of the players that were I was playing at Yeovil around yeah. that time, so I've still got a good connection with a few of the players there because obviously I was a young pro, so they helped me through throughout that period. So I always try to keep contact with them, especially like with social media and Instagram and Twitter. We kind of always connected in a way. Nice. So um, yeah, for sure, I always like message them from time to time, and they message me from time to time just to check up on me. Nice, nice. Now before we get on to your, what you do now for Motherwell. Now, mm. we know where you're from, the motherland, the Pearl of Africa. <laughs> the Pearl of Africa. Now. Mm. Like, I also know that the national team is just different, I think, for like playing like mm. for a club team because it's like, this is your, you're from like, mm. Uganda, your parents Love. are from there. They must have been mm. so proud. Like, how did it feel making the day before Uganda? That was mad because I never knew... I never knew that it was going to be that much of a big deal. It's a big deal. You know deal. what I mean? <laughs> it's a big deal. Because I thought it was just going to be calm. I'm just going to go there, play my little game. Yeah. Then obviously go home, go back to the hotel, see the family, have a catch up with the family, matoke, yeah. push on, you know, you know, okay. shabang, matoke, everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I went there. And like, the love that I was getting was crazy just like fans just coming to me saying thank you so much for coming mm. there's not many players that will come back and like choose their motherland and support us mm. and like it was mad it was mad there was a lot to take in a lot to take in just being on the news and the local newspapers yeah Mumsy getting like messages from everybody from in Uganda saying oh, thank you so much for letting Dennis come and play just yeah. like it was a lot I was thinking rock this is mad I literally was a guy from Harrogro mm. and this is happening so yeah man it was lit honestly it was one of my favourite moments in my career for sure especially because you, like, you're playing in England as well like someone from England playing for Uganda it's like it's mad like you said like picking Uganda playing for them like yeah. big up to you man man of the people yeah. Yeah, Uganda <laughs> Come on, have to, have to, especially because I feel like no one my age around that time was really going out to play for their motherland country, mm. which made it even more of a big deal, I think. Because mm. if I was obviously like 25, 26 now, so yeah. it wouldn't be that big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah you're, coming, you're coming at a time where Uganda's doing their thing on the map. Because when a man was in school, yeah, people would be mm. saying, Uganda, where's Uganda's national team? Yeah. You might have a football team. Where, where, where? Yeah. I can say, listen, we're making AFCONs. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> you, we were saying before, like, how you want to get Uganda to the World Cup. Like, we've never been to the World Cup and there'll be, it's a big ask. But, mm. like, with our team, 
our team is it's a younger team. You've got a good keeper. We've got you in defence holding it down. Right. So, like, what's your like, ambitions for Uganda? Like, as we said, like, we played in AFCON, done well in AFCON, or nobody really expected us to do as well as we've done. Mm. And, um, obviously, our next goal was to qualify for next year's AFCON. And, yeah, next step was World Cup, man. Mm. It's World Cup. Just mm. get as far as possible in African, African Cup of Nations next year. And, yeah, just start the road to the World Cup, to be honest with you. Also, I've got another question. Because we played, mm. Uganda played Senegal in the AFCON, was it two years ago or last year? Mm. And obviously, yeah. Martin is from Senegal and he was playing. And he missed the penalty, mm. by the way. Shout out that. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel like, playing against Mane? Because Mane now is definitely top 10 best players yeah. in the world. How was it playing against him? Is man that quick? <laughs> is it peak? It was, it was bad because he was at Southampton when I was there. So I already knew him from then. <laughs> Yeah, like we had a good conversation like before the game and after the game, just having a catch up. Yeah. So um, he was like, "Oh yeah, you got you done well against me, like because I like to, uh, yeah, I done, I tried my best and I thought I done pretty well against on your team. Yeah, you got your team. We're unlucky to lose that game. <laughs> yeah, but you can obviously tell the difference within him, within him and the other players, like just the mm. sharpness of him himself and like the movements that he would make. Mm. You. It's easy for him to be the top 10, one of the top 10 players in the world, 100%. Yeah. Especially just seeing it firsthand and playing against him. Mm. You get, especially him playing at Liverpool with the players that he's got around him to make his job easier, like scoring goals and making assists. It just it's part of makes sense. So yeah. that was definitely a good experience playing against him. Mm. Hopefully, many more to come, and we'll get them next time. But... <laughs> <laughs> 100%, man, 100%. Got. So let's go on to your current team now. Motherwell, Scottish Premier League. How did that move come about? So to talk about like the end of Yeovil and then you going to Motherwell. Um, it was a mad time. It was a very crazy, crazy time for myself because um, we had a change in manager at Yeovil towards the end of the season. New manager came in and liked me a lot. And I was literally playing every game doing really well, like getting man of the matches, but we just weren't getting the results that we needed to stay up. Yeah. So eventually, end of the season, we got relegated and I was thinking, oh my God, this is crazy. And then randomly, I got a call from the Ugandan, the national team coach saying, oh, like, I want you, I've, seen, I've been watching you play and I've seen you've been doing well despite the results that you've been getting. So um, I want to call you up to the team and you haven't got a place given to you, you have to come and earn it. And I was like, okay, yeah, fair enough. I wasn't even expecting this call to come you. So, um, yeah, I literally went back to London for like a week and flew over to Uganda to start training camp. Then I uh, done well for the training camp, got selected for the final squad. Then started in AFCON. Then obviously a couple of weeks later, AFCON finished, came back to, um, to London. And I was just speaking to my agent about obviously options. Yeah. And just things aren't really going on. Like things don't happen the way I thought it would happen. Mm. So I ended up parting ways with my agent. Then um, I spoke to one of my ex teammates that I was playing at Yeovil Town with, and he said he used to play for Motherwell. He said, oh, towards the end of the season, Motherwell were, were asking about you. Oh, uh, oh. And um, asking about my situation coming for the coming season. And I was like, oh, I might as well just give them a call to mm. see if they're in need of a centre-back because I'm literally at home, like the season started and like I need to sign for a team somewhere. Mm. So I called them up and I was like, yeah, like I'm still here, I'm just in London, so if you need like a centre-back to come up, like I'm just here. They're like, oh, it's funny enough, we're just like speaking about you. So um, you'll send us, send me your, send, send you, send them my details. Mm. And um yeah, they'll book me a flight and then yeah, I'll come up and start training the following week. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah, train for the following week, then eventually just ended up signing me. And then, so it was a mad time. Very, very crazy, to be honest. Very crazy. Yeah, because I remember like last year, last time I saw you, you came to my like graduation sort of barbecue thing. Yeah. You were telling me like you were still a free agent. So it's mad how things can yeah. work. Literally. So like, crazy. You're at, yeah, you're at my world yeah. now. <laughs> Like, so when you sign for them, you're signing with them. Was it a one-year deal, some of them? 
at first I find I signed a six well until Jan. So I signed like November beginning of November. Mm-hmm. And I only signed until Jan. Then um I made my debut against Rangers. I think Rangers or Celtic, one of the two. And then I've done Rangers. well. Yeah, one of the big boys that I've done well. Now where were they against Aberdeen? Then I played against Rangers the following week. And done well in that, then obviously my name started going about saying our feathers were well, he's done well. Just done I got then literally a few like a month later, they told me they were gonna offer me a new deal to extend it for another two years. So um then I just signed that straight away. So how is it like playing in the SPL? Because we were speaking before, like it's bare cold <coughs> in Scotland and that. Yeah. Like, how was it playing? Because you play against Rangers, Celtic, Hart, Hibs, like these are like mm. really big teams, like on the face of mm. it. Like, how was it playing against these teams week in, week out? It's um it's a strange league, to be honest with you, because you've got like you've got your Rangers, Celtic, um, Hibs, Aberdeen, who are like, okay, Celtic Rangers are like borderline champ, maybe prem budgets. Yeah, yeah, really of course. Yeah, you got like Aberdeen Hibs, you've got like a good budget considering the rest of us, and then you've got like us and a few other teams. So, like, it's a bit weird when you're playing like Rangers with a sold out stadium, then you're playing like I don't know, um, for Johnston, yeah, or like a smaller team of like a couple thousand. Mm. So, it's a bit strange kind of just changing from that to that, but the actual standard within like the players in the SPL. Are good, like it's a good standard. And yeah. Sometimes a lot of people down south in England do look down on, down upon it and um, kind of discredit it when they haven't really experienced it for themselves. And it's I found cool. out quickly that it's actually a good standard up there. Mm, I agree because mm. you see players come from that SPL, people playing there, ripping it up, even in Europa League. Mm. I look at Rangers, top of their exactly. European group. That's mm-hmm. just, and obviously, you had a good season last year qualified for the European League qualifying stages. Yeah. Like how was last season like playing for Motherwell, doing well in the league? Like how was that feeling like everyone's it's all bounced, the fans are happy, everyone's happy. Like how was that? Yeah. It was bad because like when I first signed like the team was just flying, like winning every week, every week. And I was speaking to the players so like hey like this season I don't even know what's happened to us. We just like you just changed our style of football we're just popping teams like just quickly. <laughs> well like last season we were just like just like in and around the bottom, just like scraping it. Yeah. And like, yeah, like a one off season. Like, this has never happened before. I was like, bro, because I'm just coming through and you're winning. So, this is normal to me. Yeah. So I'm like, that's hard to believe. You can't have been struggling when you're playing like this. Like, you just uh-huh. eating hearts, hips, just like popping them off the park. And I was like, wow, this is actually mad. And then eventually, we um, qualified for the Europa League, mm. which is a big achievement in itself. And then, yeah, it was, it was a good experience, man, for sure. Last season was a good season for us. Yeah. Finishing third in SPL is no mean feat, you know, because everyone mm. expects Celtic Rangers first and second. But mm. to be the best team after them, great achievement. So big up to yeah. the World Wars squad. You've done your thing. So what's your, like, future plans within football? What do you aim to achieve? Um... For myself personally, just try my best to play at the highest level possible that I can get to. Yeah. And then feel like I'm still at a good age where I can still play at a high level. Mm. So um just yeah, just commit myself and just keep on improving every day, every day, every training session, just trying to improve and just see where it takes me. Yeah. That's cool. it to be honest with you. Yeah. And like what advice would you give to people who are like <laughs> Ballers now, maybe safe similar, similar challenges you face getting released or getting injured. What advice would you give to them as they make their journey? It's, it's probably easy to say, but just never give up, man. Mm. Like not every coach is gonna is gonna be having you. Not every coach is, you're not gonna be every coach's type of player. Mm. And um, if you're persistent and you're committed, something has to give. That's the way I see it. Something has to go. You keep on persistent yeah. and keep on working hard every day at your craft. Then there's no reason why you shouldn't get an opportunity. Of course. So as long as you commit yourself and um, just mentally commit yourself and you've got your clear goals stuck in your head, even if you write them down on a piece of paper, 
or something to always look to and just to keep yourself motivated, saying like, yeah, this is my goal. So when you reach that, the next one, the next one, the next one. So as long as you do that, there's no reason why you can't make it to the top. Oh, you're preaching good, Pastor Bevis. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've got a couple questions. Yeah, told a couple guys. Got Bevis McGarvey in it. Got a couple questions. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. oh, also just before that, like, is there a big difference between like no fans at the ground and fans at the ground? Like, do the players really think we're out? Like, do, do do you find it hard to be motivated without the fans? At first, the first couple of days was very, very strange. The first couple of games, that was weird. And just like, it was just silence. and just like, no atmosphere, like no buzz. It was very strange. But after like a few games, you kind of get used to it. They try to play like that fake crowd noise in the stadium. Yeah. It's kind of makes a difference a little bit. Oh, wait, it, it came through the stadium, the fake crowd noise? Yeah, sometimes they play it through the, through the stadium. And... um. It kind of makes a difference at times, but it's nothing compares to actually having fans there just shouting abuse at you or cheering you on, you know. Oh yeah, the abuse. <laughs> you got abused before. They're not racist. They're gonna be racist, but like, man, I said, you are rubbish, mate. Wait, where's your <laughs> touch? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of them type of comments, man. You have your little banner with the crowd and that. So, um, yeah, man. Hopefully, I know down south the fans are starting to be allowed in the yeah. stadiums, but up there, we're still in lockdown. I think we come out of lockdown on Wednesday, I think. So, so um, yeah, we'll see off what, the, um, what the government have to say when we come out of lockdown. So, hopefully, soon they'll be allowed in. Free up, free up, man. Free up the fans, man. Free up the fans. makes a difference. Like, I was watching the games, yeah. like, man, big difference. Trust me, especially when you saw like, I was still getting popped. Oh, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Slugger, 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 with the way that Arsenal defending, fam, you would be doing a steady job there. I ain't going to say no names. <laughs> certain man in that back line needs to get shifted quick. Yeah. Yeah, so if someone asked like me to ask you, like, well, who's the toughest opponent you faced? You can name more than one, but like, the top of the people that you'd say you faced? I would say probably Sadio Mane, probably being the obvious one. Oh, wait. <laughs> and um, probably Jermaine Defoe, because obviously he's at Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably one of the toughest ones, especially he's like 37 and his movement's still sharp. And like he's at one side, was on that side of his shoulder, next minute he's running behind you, he's coming short. It's like you always have to be switched on. Yeah. So um, them two are the clear names to stand out. To be honest with you, okay. Um, who's the most influential coach or manager that you've had? The most influential. I'll say that I've had loads of different coaches that have taught me different sides of the game. Yeah. So I'll say my under 18s coach Jason Dodd and um, Paul Williams. They just kind of showed me like technical side of playing centre-back and um, just playing out with the ball. Then when I went to Yeovil, it's a bit more like direct and physical and just when your headers, timing of headers and mm. stepping in in front of the striker. So Terry Skibberton definitely for my, um, my step up in professional football and being well adapted to win games at that level. Yeah. Coming into Motherwell, it's like being back at an academy and just like the co- the way the coach and stuff actually um, break the game down, analyze our position that we're going to play and like they'll change the way that we play to get the results that we need. And the one-on-one coaching sessions that I'm getting myself, it's like being back at an academy and just like learning different sides of the game that I didn't really know before. So much so to Pardon? So much attention to detail. Yeah, exactly that. So um, that's one thing that I'm grateful for even coming in for and just getting that type of coaching. So yeah, different coaches have, have given me different um, different sides to the game that I never had before. Okay. Is there any like players that were your idols when you were growing up? So you looked up to and thought, I want to be like him. Like I love him, the way he plays and stuff like that. I was thinking, when I was playing centre midfielder, Vieira, 
Ah, yeah. of course. <laughs> similar builds. Even though I hated Arsenal, but I was like, like similar build. Like I like the way he just dominates the midfield, scores goals and defends, and just this whole persona that he, that came with him. Yeah. And uh, when I got moved back to centre back, uh, looked up to Rio Ferdinand. Oh, again, be similar builds and just the way he was composed on the board, the way he defended, calm, and just the way he organised the players around him and took ownership of the game and just controlled his back line. So um, that's somebody I still like, up before every game, I always like put clips on my TV of him just playing, just to give me that little bit of motivation. Who did you support growing up? Man United, of course. United, oh, these United. Oh, it's Manny. <laughs> oh, United fans. Man, the, 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 the United fans aren't even bad. It's the United fans from London. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, boy. You didn't want it, bro. You didn't want to deal with them, man. But. <laughs> yeah. It's always intense when the Arsenal and United fan clash. Always intense. Oh, the rivalry fam. Nah. I can't even rep Arsenal, man. The way it's going now, yeah, boy. Yeah, the Arsenal fans have got missing at the moment. I don't know. I don't know. Who's, who's Arsenal? I ain't heard of them. <laughs> what are you saying? Do you want Arsenal in or out? Because oh, I'm hearing mixed reviews, man. I'm hearing mixed reviews. No, no, People it, love him at the start. Nah, but you get fam. It's like when you had Oli in it. You loved him at the start, yeah. but now it's like, oh. The thing is, I'll tell you that. You can see what he's trying to do, but it's Definitely. whether he's got the place to do it. And some of his player choices are very questionable, like. Saliba, mm. why is he not playing? Ozil, Maitland yeah. Niles ain't playing. Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, like, and plus Arsenal 15th. Like, mm. when was the last time Arsenal were 15th? I can't remember. 11 games. Mm. Like, this is almost halfway. This is like, if Arsenal don't pick up, they could get relegated. Like, real. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, yeah, the December period is going to be key. Yeah, they have got game. points. Chelsea, I think Manchester City in the cup. But wait, nice. see. Ah, okay. Chelsea. Messi or Ronaldo? Now answer this question <laughs> wisely. For me, like when people ask me this question, I was like, how can you even ask someone a question like this? Because we're just lucky enough to be in our lifetime. We've seen both. Real talk. I agree with you on that point. At the Definitely. same time, you can't argue who's bad. Who's just they're both like. Two of the greatest players to ever play this sport. In the same generation as well, which is in mad. In the same generation, and we're lucky enough to have witnessed both of them in their prime. Yeah, it's mad. So, when somebody asked me this question, I'm like, oh, like, like, natural ability, Messi, of course. Mm. It's just like, naturally, just gifted. Yeah. But Ronaldo, like, just the way he trains, the way, like, he's actually committed, like, his whole life and just I'm not sure if you watched the documentary just like mm. the way like he just lives football and just breathes it it's crazy yeah, yeah. and he's obsessed with it his mentality is just different different especially so, in the Champions um, League the amount of goals he's got is the amount of goals is embarrassing like he puts up them type of numbers man Boy, it's, it's crazy but um, it's, I can't even answer that question man Okay, fair, fair. Who would you go for? Who would you go for? Because it looks like you got your answer. Well, the thing said. is, yeah, the thing is, I always had an answer to this, but the way Messi's been playing this season, I'm thinking, bro, like you can't be Messi. In my opinion, yeah. Messi the better player. But Ronaldo's durability—not saying Messi's not durable—but the way Ronaldo is at this level, still pamming God, like, Messi, he's just Messi's walking. Messi's walking. Man, man just gets penalties now. That's it. The way, like, the way Ronaldo is adapted from going Manchester, Spain, Italy, and still banging in goals wherever yeah. he goes. And wow. the impact that he has on the team is just like... Yeah. But with Ronaldo, a lot of the time, like, he would have a poor game, but just bag a goal and everyone would be like, oh, Ronaldo's on it again. Yeah, that's his job, no? It's true. But Messi, Messi will, will do a mad control the game, get a couple assists. Man, man with us, didn't score. Doesn't count. <laughs> but... They're both, like I said, they're both great players. Exactly that. Watch basketball. I watch. I try watching the playoffs, but it's just the time difference is crazy, man. It's crazy. Because we want to ask Jordan or LeBron. Oh God! See, that's exactly the same, man. Me personally, 
Michael Jordan. Oh, man. Don't be safe, man. That's a safe <laughs> ass everyone goes for. Go for LeBron. He's LeBron the is like a legend. Like, he's the GOAT. He is the GOAT. But Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, man. Yeah, next question. I don't want to talk about this. But <laughs> nah, big, big up Jordan, though. He's hard. But you have to. Team LeBron on that, that question. And yeah, um, yeah. there's a couple more. Um, would you rather be a great player with a trashed legacy or a good player but only a couple men will remember you? So, like, man, your name's coming up in trivia card. People are saying, who's this? <laughs> but <laughs> your name could come up in trivia card. It's like, oh, this guy was a great player, but I can't forgive him for what he did. Oof. So, great player. But tarnished legacy, like, you're ruined. Like, you got, like, a Bill Cosby reputation. R. Kelly. Oh, God. No way. <laughs> Straight cancelled. But you're a great yeah. artist, but you're, you can't really... Uh, I don't want that legacy, man. I want to be <laughs> Okay, not as bad as that, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um, what was that one? Or be a good player, but few remember you. Like, man, I think you're you're like I don't want to say certain man's names in it. Who I remember, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah. But you were good, but like no one just no one's gonna remember you in it. You're just like, oh, he played for us. Oh yeah, he was a decent player, you know. It's one of them ones. I would want to be remembered as just a consistent performer. That's what it's all about. So which being one? consistent. You answer the question. Yeah. Which one is you? <laughs> <laughs> Great player, but tarnish. Oh yeah, I'll just go for that, man. At least people still know that I've done my best and I was great. Mm. I was amazing at that club. Mm, I hear that. But it depends what like mistake did I like give away a pen in like a cup final sign? Ridiculous. Yeah, you could be something like well, his legacy wasn't really tarnished, but rest in peace Maradona. Like he mm. did the handball. Or maybe you see, oh, you scored an own goal for Uganda in the World Cup final, but you was a great player. I mean, you would be a great player after that. I can't. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't be allowed back in Uganda, to be honest. Yeah, stuff like stuff like that. Stuff like, oh, I can't believe you've done that. It was great, but I just can't forgive him for that. <laughs> I'll just have to be great, bro. I hear that. I they know that I'm great. As do we say, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Mm, sure. Last week. Sure. Remember forever. Yeah, true. But yeah, that comes to the end of this interview with my cousin Bevis Mugabe. The um, journey, it's been great. I appreciate you for coming on the pod. Worries, man, anytime. Big up all the best for the rest of the season. And I hope to see you again. For sure, for sure, for sure. Part two. You know, you know. <laughs>